and we're live. Ah, so I wanted to talk about responsibility. Um, we had an incident yesterday that I was that I found very traumatic, and I was tempted to want to blame and yell at people and punish people and and all that, mostly you. But I realized, you know, that's probably not constructive or healthy. So I figured we should take this time to talk through what I was thinking and feeling and process it together. Publicly. Yeah. I mean, we can always not post this if it gets too personal, but what the heck. I mean, my life is performative vulnerability where I process things in public. <laughs> um, so uh, you were playing a game and you got up early and got ready all by yourself, which was great. And you used that to play a game, which was fine. And then normally we leave at 8.30 and you were like near what looked like near the end of the game. It was, uh, I think you started a few minutes before 8 o'clock. And these games usually take a half hour, so you should have been done in time, but you weren't. And then we hit this weird perfect storm where your team, the other team was clearly ready to win, but for whatever reason they didn't want to win. Because they wanted the higher rank. So if, if you, like, really crush somebody badly, you get a higher rank than if you just beat them quickly. It's just, like, KDA, like, how many kills you get, how many deaths, how many assists, and how much CS and that. Like, that kind of so, so the greater the carnage, the greater the reward. And so they don't reward a fit. So, the greater you do, really. Yeah. And and you get more points and everything. So it's, it's a more efficient farming mechanism to generate whatever experience points or in-game cred that happens, right? So there's sort of tangible benefits to stringing it out. It's just like reputation. Hmm? Reputation. Like reputation. Okay. I mean, does it mean that you... That's right, because the only currency in this game is reputation, right? Because from one game to the next, you just start from scratch each time. There's RP, because well, I was playing ranked. RP is reputation points? I think it's ranked points. Ranked points, okay. And what good are ranked points? They have to rank up. Like, silver... Well, one to hundred in each rank. Mm -hmm. Go up. And, but what do you get with with RPs? What can you buy? Does that just you don't buy? It's not a currency. Okay, but does it allow you? To, does it determine who you play against? Yeah, it's a matchmaking tool. So in some sense, if you, um, so in some ways it could be bad to have too much RP because you end up no. fighting people you can't handle. No. No. Why is it not a bad it's thing? It's not like a hidden matchmaking thing. It's also a status symbol. Because you're going up in the ranks. Right. Okay, so you're going up in... So there's, there's sort of a public reputation that you get. And as a, it's also true that it's used for matchmaking, right? Yeah. So in some ways, there's no real value to inflating your... Like, if you could mm. like, cheat and buy RP... Um, that would, like, just get you into the wrong rankings, right? Well... If there's a particular strategy that works at high elo, but it doesn't work at low elo, mm -hmm. or if your friend is at high elo and you're at low elo and they don't want to make a small account to help you get up to high elo, mm -hmm. then it might be beneficial to buy. But it's just like cheating. Right. It's, well, there's cheating and then there's cheating. Like there's cheating that. So in edge cases, it could help you. But in general, there isn't a. Um, um, a wise reason to inflate your RP score, right? Because it'll you'll just, if you if you really are pretending to have more um, skill than you have, you get matched against people way better than you, and you would get crushed, right? And then your RP would drop. 
right? So it's it's a it's a good measure that way. It's a authentic measure that you know is used the way, and so it's, it's earned. So this is good. Reputation's an interesting game to play. It's a status game. I spent a lot of my other podcasts talking about status games. So you know that's that was uh, and so the context that I was dealing with emotionally was one: your sister wanted to leave early. Uh, because this is the last day of camp after three weeks. And then I had a phone call at 9, which I could take at the car. I had a, a, a prep meeting at 9.30, which I could take in the car that I'd rather do in person. And then I had a very important meeting to take at 10 o'clock where I had to be home for that. And also it's a you know 20-minute drive each way, so I didn't want to make two trips. So the thing that was painful for me is I had to make a lot of difficult, arbitrary decisions under time pressure, juggling three different people and uh, three different immediate people and then other communities. So the thing that was, so there was my daughter who wanted to get to camp on time. Early. And and early. There was me uh, wanting to manage my time and my work responsibilities, which, you know, at the end of the day, uh, my work responsibilities are, I guess, the higher order bit in the priority stack, right? If I'm not doing my, you know, it's like if you guys have to miss camp in order so I can do my job, that would generally be the priority. Uh, and then, you know, there's a minor level of inconvenience to people if I'm not online. And then there was your teammates, uh, such as they were. Uh, you know, as people who are impacted by the decision we make. And so my first decision was, I guess the implicit decision at the beginning was to let you go ahead and play a game and not say anything. Then I first had a decision at 8.25 when my daughter wanted to leave early and you were still playing. I said, well... Is it mama? It is not mama. It's mama. Yeah, but she would not be walking that far. Um, the is to like be a hard ass and say, okay, it's 8.30, we're supposed to leave now, you need to abandon the game. And it's like, well, okay, it's 8.31, you're 31 minutes in, like, you know, you had a reasonable expectation that it would be done by now, and I had a, we all had a reasonable expectation it would be done in like five minutes, because every other game I've seen, you know, almost every other game stops at 35 minutes or so. Max. Yeah. If people were playing for efficiency, when would you think the game would have ended? 28 minutes. Oh really? So even by that point, it was clear that somebody Nobody was going to win, but it was just whatever was dragging on. So and so, I had not seen this. So I've seen dynamics before where people don't want to quit because of stubbornness or pride or whatever. That was my team. Right. I had not seen the dynamic of where yeah we could totally crush you, but we're just going to milk this for all it's worth. That was a new thing to me. It's like, you're so dumb. You could get, you could win like five more games in this time span if you play. Well, not actually. But they, but they could have easily won an entire two games. This, this certainly could have stopped then. You and could have played queued a up, champion selected, and won, and freaking end screen, like two different games. Instead, you dragged one out of. And, and, the, 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 and generally speaking, one dragged out game versus two. Or, or, or it's inefficient. Yeah. Use of time. The only reason to do that is, is if you thought you got a lucky draw and you were totally going to win this game. The Delta game you had was um, greater than your expectation value of your random draw next time. Oh. Like, like I got really good teammates, and you know I'm actually hitting way above my normal level, so I want to 
milk this for all it's worth. But then again, like I said, that, that's, it's not a... Well, if you're bad, then yes. But if you're good, then you can... If you're good, you don't need carry. to do it. And if you're bad, like, you don't really want to be playing above your reputational level because reputation level you'll be losing all the time, right? Mm, like if, if you, Everyone wants a higher rank no matter what. They, they have this, even where it's not rational. Yeah. Right, even if it's not sustainable, right? Because, like, if you have a higher rank and you don't deserve it, eventually... You're going to fall. You're going to fall, right? So it's it's really a... It's a status game. Yeah, it's a status game. And, and it's a... It's weird. So, like, the status game is designed to be authentic in that, like, you will, over time, naturally reach your appropriate status. But the... Um, so, yeah, so, so really it was... There was no rational reason for people to do that except for the obsessive short, short-term short focus on immediate status gain, not necessarily long-term status building. A small brain. Small brain. Uh, it's not really small-brained. It's, um, it small it's more like tunnel vision. No, it's small-brained. Why do you say it's small-brained? Tunnel vision is a part of small-braining. Okay. Small-braining is just like... <laughs> It's not just Thank you for the input, lack Alex. of cognitive capacity, but it's also <laughs> lack of awareness of context. Rolic, stop barking. <laughs> so does this bark that <laughs> Maybe it's his puppuccino. It's a puppuccino. Putting some hair on his chest. Yeah, it's a, it's a puppuccino. <laughs> yeah. Puppuccino. Yeah. <sighs> So, like, all right. some hair on his chest. He doesn't even have hair. And he has fun all over his chest. So, there was, um, I guess petty is, is another word for that context. So they're focusing on small, insignificant details um, rather than awareness of the larger context. Yes. So, so the moral calculation I'm sort of making is... You know, I share your horror of flaking on teammates and abandoning people midstream. Like, that just is a cultural taboo for me, right? I'm very loyal. I'm, I'm subversive, but loyal. Incredibly humble, yes. <laughs> but no, it, like, it, it, I have a visceral hatred of, like, turning my back on people. In fact, a lot of my trouble comes <laughs> from taking on uh, other people's troubles and not properly <laughs> self differentiate. Hey, shut up. The so realistically, the um, so it kind of helps, and I don't know if this is healthy or unhealthy. That, like, okay, knowing that people are acting on if I'd known at the time that people were acting irrationally and petty, right? As opposed to, like, you know, if you're like, like, for example, if you were five minutes away from in the game and you guys had a 50-50 chance of winning, I would feel really bad about yanking you out five minutes early, right? Uh, worth it. But it's like, okay, these people are actually doing petty short-sighted things. It would serve, it, it, it would be just to uh, to ditch them. Um, well, not my, t- oh, I guess my team was severed. They wouldn't. They, they were, they, 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 like, that, like you said, the only way that you would win is if one of them went AFK. You said it And some- one of them did. And they still fought. And they still beat us. Because he was so fed. He what he did was he just ganked my lane like a million times and fed the Yasuo. Uh-huh. And then 
Like, I had wards everywhere. It's freaking Yone. What are you gonna do? Um, he ganked my lane like a million times and then fed the Yasuo and then he just AFK'd right in front of the inhibitor. So we couldn't even walk up to the inhibitor because he just one shot into us. Oh, he, he AFK'd into a, into, he, in base on the inhibitor. Basically turned himself into a turret. Yeah, because we, oh. we broke the turret. We're like, oh, we have a chance we can get this inhib. And then he was just standing there. We can't do anything. <sighs> and I was freaking Megan already one shot me. <sighs> like, brutal. Wow. That's a... That's a vicious strategy. I can show you the, the VOD. It's insane. <laughs> it might be worth it, except it's an hour long. An hour long. <laughs> we could do a 2x. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Um, that would be worth a commentary track, actually. Put on the podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, we, we have to do the video thing. We have a video cam now, right? We could do the thing on your PC and record it and all that. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, the, um, the, culture, the, the cultural norm that I was feeling, feeling trapped by was that, like, you don't ditch your friends in the middle of a fight. Of course. You know? And, you know, the cultural norm, on the other hand, was not being late. Right? Because, you know, I, as you know, I obsess over getting to things on time and, you know, I burn most of my parental political capital getting you guys out the door on time. Political capital. <laughs> um, I burn most of my real estate getting you to church on time. <laughs> You, you phrase, with the phrase political capital? No. Oh my gosh, it's like status games. So, when you have somebody who trusts you, or who, who owes you a favor, mm-hmm. you can say like, okay, I'm going to pull some strings and ask you to do this, but once you've done this for me, I've used up that political capital. Ah. Uh, right? So I've like, used up those favors. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Or goodwill. It's like, you know, hey, we've been doing really well, and, you know, um... You know, we've been getting along, and it's like, hey, can I ask you a favor? Okay, sure. It's like, okay, once I ask you a favor, it's going to be a while before I can ask you another favor, or I have to wait to do a favor for you before I can. So that's why I'm in political capital, is that people who have stored up goodwill, reputation points, really, right? They've been building reputation points with that person. Relationship points. Relationship points might be a better term. Yeah, you're right. That's a, good, that's a better term. They've been, build, they've been depositing into the relationship bank, raising, raising capital, mm-hmm. and then they spend that capital on something. And, you know... If you overspend that thing, you get relationship bankruptcy. <laughs> and, uh, or, yeah, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of issues there. So, capitalism is the root of all evil, am I right? Um, no. It is, um, that's a different podcast. I was saying it sarcastically. Yes. The, um, yeah, the, the, it's close. Right. Well, what's I mean, the biblical phrase is the love of money is the root of almost all evil. It's almost the root. Right. The love of money is the root of all evil. Greed. Greed and capitalism is almost greed. Louis Duck is the root of all evil. Um, Louis or Scrooge? Louis. What's the difference? Scrooge is a hoarder. Uh huh. Louis is just greed in general. Interesting. Um, the problem is, is that ambition is uh, is is very is a, is very uh, close to greed, and ambition is the root of many evils. But there is such a thing as godly ambition. There really isn't such a thing as godly greed. Right. And the the fun the reason capitalism works so well is it is it blurs that difference in both directions. 
right, is that people can sort of get away with being greedy and looking like they're being helpful, but people can often, for the sake of being greedy, end up accidentally being helpful. And that's the shell game that capitalism plays, which is both why it's powerful and also pernicious, uh, subtly evil. And, um, you know, it's all these weird uh, compulsions that people do without realizing it. Like, you know, so it, this is what's helpful for me therapeutically, thinking through, okay, there's a social norm of being late, there's a social norm of not wanting to waste. So I ended up basically not, and so then the other data points I didn't understand was like, my daughter said, oh, I should just go and take her early and then come back and get you, which could have worked yeah. uh, if I had done it at like 8 o'clock or 8.15 when she was ready, but of course I didn't expect this Yeah, to you didn't expect the game to go an hour long. Right. But secondly, even if I had done that, I, I would have spent, you know, you know, an hour and a half driving back and forth, and then, you know, I had a meeting at 10 o'clock, then I had... 20 minute drive both ways. 20 minute drives each way. Yeah, 40 minutes each way. So 80 minutes for two plus turnaround time basically 90 minutes right an hour and a half there secondly i had to be there at 10 o'clock so if i i didn't really have time to do two round trips i mean in theory if i had known exactly what was going to happen i could have left at 8 20 and be done by 10 <laughs> i should have got the league of graphs of these guys and known their assholes right like you know this this is a gap in the league of legends systems in that you had two teams that were behaving irrationally and therefore uh, so normally, if people are playing in good faith, if you bail on people, that's on you. You're the one who should be punished. Right. Right? But the reality was that this was an inverted scenario where, in fact, uh, they were being jerks. And it would have been rational and, in fact, kinder for you to bail and, like, force the thing to end quickly. Because <laughs> people were doing things that were irrationally self-destructive, but you were enmeshed in that situation. And uh, the other thing that I didn't know was actually whether or not you really wanted to go to camp. I did. It was the last day. Right, yeah. Like, I didn't know that, right? Because we'd blown off camp on Wednesday because you weren't feeling well. And so I hadn't really thought that through. Because, I, you know, this is the... One of the most powerful insights uh, was from this guy named Tim O'Reilly, who was a famous tech humanitarian who once almost threw me into a, a, ca a canyon. He made auto parts as well? Uh, no. It's a shame. He doesn't run an Irish pub either. Um... The um, he talked about how um, you know we start at one level of conversation or conflict or problem solving, and he says, and if we get stuck there, we have to go back to the next level and question our assumptions. And then he says, if you say, and keep going, and like the the wisdom is basically to keep unrolling your assumptions all the way down until you get to the level where you can figure uh, out the absolutes. Well, we'll figure out how to actually solve the problem in, in question. Um, and then you come all the way back up. Once you have and then you have to come back to actually solve the immediate symptoms that we're presenting in the right. issue. Right? And most people, they go down to a certain level and get stuck uh, and frustrated and say, I, I shouldn't have to work this hard to solve the problem. This is your fault. You know, I'm just going to take it out on you and make you deal with it. And uh, what's funny, that was actually why he threw me, wanted to throw me in a canyon. Uh, I was building this Robot Turtles game, uh, The Hour of Node. Like, this is absolutely terrible. No, it wasn't that. It, what was is that I said, well, you know, it's, it's, you have these little uh, turtles that you're moving around on a computer screen, right? And I said that, um, and I said, and the goal is to have a continuous set of abstractions. 
And he goes, but what do you have underneath it? And I said, well, it's turtles all the way down, which is kind of a punchline in computer science circles. And like to throw it out there was just like a really horrific pun. And that's why he wanted to throw me into, push me into a canyon because we we're going for a walk in the Oakland Hills. And to me, that's like achievement unlocked. Like when you can make a pun so bad that a noted humanitarian threatens with kill, threatens you with severe bodily harm. Like that's that that to me was winning a status game. <laughs> Comes out of the dream. Speak to me. Speak to me, kid. It's turtles all the way down. <laughs> it's just terrible. And in fact, that's actually one of the one of my projects. Is, try, is, is building a mental framework such that at every layer of the stack... It's turtles. Right. Or, to the, my podcast with Thotha yesterday, it's Christ all the way down. Like, the right... The way to recognize the effective, optimal strategy of this layer of the stack is to maximize Christ-likeness. Mm. And that that all the way down... And the, the further down you get, the more Christ-like and difficult it becomes to give up those abstractions, those comfortable norms those social validations and to be faced with this point of pure agonizing choice and discern what is the Christ-like way to respond. So looking back, I feel like given the information I had and the self-awareness I had that, you know, I internalized a lot of the conflict about what to do and, you know, finally forced it to you really when I kind of like said like, okay, if I wait any more than this, I am now causing other people outside the system to experience even more pain, like my boss and my coworkers, and that you had to do it. And like, if I had known that it was like a five minute ban and you know, a small number of points that you easily make up, then it's like, okay, the, the practical cost to you is low. On the other hand, the first time you violate a norm, there's a really heavy psychic cost to that. Yeah. Now, uh, because once you've broken it, then you've basically confronted the fact that like, well, this isn't that bad. Yeah, this isn't that bad, and like, oh, it's just an arbitrary thing. It's not that, but the way the system works is people should have an aversion to doing it. Yeah. It should be stigmatized in a way far beyond the mere technical failures. Yeah, it's like a whole, they give you a whole anti-piracy screen. Well, it's not a whole anti-piracy screen, mm -hmm. but it's like a pop-up after you leave the game. It's like, account believe or penalty applied. Do not leave games. It is disrespectful for your teammates and stuff. But it's just, it's like, it's just like, it's oh. public shaming. Yeah. Right. Well, and, yeah. And, and here's the thing. Public shaming is... Effective. It's effective, and it's kind of essential for group identity. Like, people like us do things like this and don't do things like that. Right. It's and, a sense of morality. And it also creates this idea of a settled question. It's like, hey, we all agree we're not even going to think about this because it is too horrible to contemplate. And what's funny is that civilizations die when people do that. But that's also a civilization advances. Like the American Revolution, you know, is, you know, warfare is people hiding behind bushes shooting, not uh, armies in brightly colored costumes standing in large fields shooting at each other across the way. Like a freaking Rise of Kingdoms game. Sorry, which one is that? It's like a, like a mobile game. Okay, Rise of Kingdoms, which one is that? Is that the people standing in uh, large rows shooting at yeah. each other? Mm -hmm. It's like just different formations and then there's arrow people just shooting arrows both ways. Right, but the the concept of organized military force... Changed. Right, but I mean, like, but like the definition of organized military force for, like, thousands of years was large groups of soldiers and precision drills attacking other large groups of soldiers. Right. right? The concept of, I guess, uh, there was the idea of skirmishers who would go ahead of the main body, but basically now all soldiers are skirmishers. It's all tactical. 
It's all tactical in a sense. It's not large. It's, it's you know, small unit maneuvers or like massive logistical man maneuvering of like, let's get this boatload of people from here to there. Yeah, transport. But, but the idea of, of like, it, it is literally inconceivable that you would have like a hundred people standing in the open, like waiting to shoot at somebody else. Because they would just be taken out by a drone strike or a, you know, tactical missile. It's ridiculous. Uh, artillery has... Evolved. Uh, well, ar artillery dominates to the point where melee and even, you know... So, there should be this tension between melee and missile. Actually, there's always been a tension between melee and missile. David was missile. Goliath was melee. Yeah. Right? And uh, there's an interesting... Goliath was Mundo. Sorry? Goliath was Mundo. What is Mundo? David was Timo. Huh? Can you give me the Mundo, Dr. Mundo. Um he's like the he's like the, like the unseeable tank. In League of Legends. League of Legends. Okay. Timo has a blind dart which ignores the CC because I don't yeah. think it's CC, it's a, it's a debuff. I was reading a fascinating fascinating evolutionary biology uh, account that said, you know, uh, most um, most species, most mammals, you have like uh, one alpha male uh, in a, in a tribe, and he's the only one who breeds, so his genes are everything. Um, dogs, even I've been told, or wolves, typically you have one breeding pair, and then you have like the kids and the in-laws hanging the, out with them. The in-laws, but there'll be like a brother-in-law or whatever that hangs out, kind of like what I was with Uncle Johan, hangs out with us. Like we're the the breeding pair. <laughs> If you will, not anymore, but you know we're the we're the parents, right. and then there's the grandparents and the uncles or whatever that hang out. The bruncles, the but, bruncles. But so humans are unusual. Uh, I guess you also have this in like orcas and whales and um, some apes. Uh, most great apes have the same thing, but there are some uh, some primates, not many, where you'll have multi-family societies, where you have you know individual couples that are and. For most of human history, you know, as far as the, the evolutionists tell us, you know, people disagree about that, but um, we lived in these small groups which are basically egalitarian. Because you may have like a father figure, a clan head, um, but like the whole thing was a family, so it wasn't like you had this royal line that uh, lorded it over you. And in fact, the interesting thing is you, you, you didn't, what defines humans, uh, relative to our nearest genetic ancestors is this fact of we don't have alpha males. And in fact, the uh, behavior in chimps that sort of discourages alpha males has been perfected in humans, which is that if somebody gets too big for their britches, all the smaller, weaker people will gang up and throw stones at them, and that will kill them. Democracy. That That is essentially yeah, one stone, one vote. Uh, whereas one club, one vote doesn't work as well because the guy with the biggest club uh, can smash everybody who comes near him. But one, one, one stone, one vote works really well because 100 guys with stones can take out one guy with a big guy with a club. And this, um, the ability to, uh, one of the theories of revolutional language is that helps you conspire better. So it's like, hey, because you don't want to be the one guy throwing stones. That's right. bad. Yeah. You want, and you don't want, you have to like get everyone on to like throw stones at the same time for it to work. Uh, but that you're just gonna throw like one stone per person over a period of days, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, it's like the, um, the 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 um, the the brick wall, the stone walls in one of the this uh, 
these Ender's Game series about the girl who was building the stone walls across India to th to frustrate the Chinese invaders. <laughs> like just stones on ponds. Yeah, but that idea of, of missile of missile versus melee, right? And so modern warfare is dominated by missile. And in fact, all warfare, the evolution of warfare is basically speed and mobility trumping brute strength. You know, going from being the biggest guy in the village to having people throwing stones from a distance to chariots moving faster and so forth. Um, and the flip side of that is, you know, I don't know what the meaning of life is, but to the extent there is such a thing as, as cultural evolution, the meaning of that is to reward cohesive groups. So the groups that can communicate better and coordinate better pretty much always beat those who are worse at it. In a given species. Uh, yeah, but well, well, actually, no, in, in a, in a cultural evolution, like human societies. Right. Like the oh, society yeah. that is better organized defeats the one. Like, so you could have a big, massive, sprawling, powerful bureaucracy, but if there's a cadre of people who are totally devoted to each other, they can overthrow it. Uh, that's what revolutions come from. Uh, that's usually, interestingly, like one of the shocking things I discovered is that empires are actually basically older than kings. Yeah. Is that you conquer, con like having a small group of people who are culturally cohesive who conquer a large uh, society that is disorganized is how you get ruling elites. Uh, much more than, uh, and that seems the way that you, because they have that cohesion. And in fact, that reinforces the cohesion. Um, and then people then are building status games to perpetuate it. But so it's, it's both like horrible and necessary to violate those norms. <sighs> so, so that, that that's actually really helpful to think through that through for me. So I feel much better. Um, there is a thing of resentment that I feel towards you that would be good if I could process, which is that like, so that one is like, okay, it wasn't your fault in the sense you couldn't have anticipated that we'd be stuck in this situation. And you weren't any better prepared for it than I was because I didn't foresee all these dimensions. But now that we are, it's like, okay, now I know that I can make a rational statement of like, okay, you're going to lose five minutes of playtime. I don't know what, what your second board, what your second infraction would be. Um, but, you know, we can say like um, that. But then the, the reason that it, it, there's a emotional resentment is like, like yesterday. I said, like, after this game, can you stop and take care of Frolic? And then you will have some time and leisure to take care of cleaning up and doing all these things. And, you know, you played another game. You didn't take care of that. It wasn't a big deal in that we kind of still managed. But it also meant that we had to flex around your schedule. Like, Mommy ended up picking up the dog poop. You weren't around to help us coordinate and plan things out for what's happening next. And so that's the thing that frustrates me is that when I kind of expect you to say, okay, I'm willing to let you manage your own time, but I want you to stop now and take care of these things so we don't have to worry about it, I feel sometimes taken advantage of. Uh, well, because I, I, at that particular moment, I thought I was supposed to stop like a half hour from when he told me to stop. Uh -huh. And um, my friend Dave hadn't been on for like a few days. Right. Or like, I think a week actually, because he yeah. was going through a lot of change. Mm -hmm. And it was not him back on again. Mm -hmm. But I would only, like, I'd only played one game with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I am torn on this because, you know, from your perspective, uh, 
it makes sense to optimize for scarce encounters with friends versus abundant encounters with family, right? Because your abundant is predictable that you will see us. Um, but of course, the it's a good tactic, but a bad strategy, right? Because if you're always optimizing for your friends, then your family feels taken for granted and you can easily end up damaging those. You, you spend political capital, right? And I guess in some sense, that's this thing here is that like, okay, this is you investing relational capital with me by doing this thing. And then if you burn that there, it's fine. And then obviously, so I guess that's the thing is that this week where you, um, we're going to be on vacation together. Right? That's why, yeah. And so, um, I guess that's the thing is the thing, the thing that again, um, I feel emotionally is that, um, so in some sense, I guess, if I feel like you are fully present with us when you're with us, then you're investing relational capital. And whereas if I feel like you're marking time until you can escape and be with your friends, it doesn't really deposit as much relational capital, right? So perversely, like this is the irony, like if, if I pressure you to doing these things, then it actually is counterproductive because I feel like you're not being voluntarily fully present. So I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, leave a comment below. What? I said leave a comment below. Leave a comment below. There we go. Yes. <laughs> How do you properly invest relational, relational capital with yeah. people who want to spend time with their friends? Right. Um, I don't know, but it definitely is therapeutic for me to talk this out and articulate and verbalize the emotions so that I'm not reacting to my resentment or frustration. Name it to tame it. Yeah. <sighs> Frolic. Yes. No, he's tame. Yeah, it's interesting. Naming things, we can start driving back now. Emotions. Naming, naming you know, emotions. Like, naming things is incredibly powerful, but also in some ways an act of violence. Like, uh, one of the people in my other, in my discipling group, like, I was assigning nicknames to people. Run the... Uh, now that we are moving, the food is flying around the car. But hopefully mostly empty, so it didn't fly in the car. If not, Quinny should pick it up next time. But last time I was here, Quinny did not eat up all the crumbs in the car. I don't know what was going on. That's usually, like, his favorite thing to do. I he's on a diet. He is on a diet. That's why he's extra hungry, because that's why he's waking us up. At... That's, why, that's why he's an idiot, because he's supposed to be on a diet. Yeah, it's like Darwin and the Hutt brothers. Like his, what, what, I still don't know what that allusion is in the Aspirin books. The Hutt brothers. Yeah, remember in the the, at the Yellow Crescent Inn in one of the Skeev and Oz Myth Adventures books. He goes, yeah, that's Darwin. Um, his fiance has him on a diet. That's why he's especially mean and nasty because he's hungry all the time. Hangry. Hangry. Yeah, there's a great word. Hangry. We should. We need more words for emotions. Because uh, we have these very crude buckets of emotions. Buckets. Right, we say, like, you're angry or you're scared. Frustrated. Uh, frustrated. Yeah, we have, you know, we have these disciplines where we'll go through and try and do finer-grained emotional resolution. But it takes, like, whole months to say. Yeah. And it's like dull. Like, dull is an emotion that we now have a word for. You know, or at least a signifier for. Uh, in a way that... Uh, like, so I can, like, it'd be in a thread with someone where I did something really stupid and I feel really bad about it and I want to express that I just go, Dole! and, like, people know what I mean, which was, a you know, a, a emotional signifier we didn't have. 
uh, when I was growing up. And back in the day. Back in the day. We didn't have those. We didn't have a word have a word for emotional intelligence or social emotional learning or all these you know all these industries and words around this. Ah, that goes with the idea of status games. It's like where there's a status game, then people will invent ways to be more effective at winning those status games, right? You have all these complicated taxonomies of, you know, the different roles and ganking and, you know, different techniques that are effective and meta or whatever. And, like, that's what this idea of turtles all the way down is what are the... It's Timo all the way down. Timo is the... The rat. Okay, and why is why does everyone hate him? Because he's annoying. Because he's poke ranged, and he has an automatic blind dart, which makes you miss all of your attacks and spells. So he's better at thwarting other people's strategies without necessarily Meaning skill. What? Ah, that's interesting. So it, it's almost like um, he's a lane bully, but he doesn't take skill like Mordekaiser or Delaney. And so that's why he gets banned a lot. Yeah, and Louis will. Yeah, because it, it feels like inauthentic, right? It's like, okay, if you've earned the ability to be that annoying, I respect it. But if you're just kind of... Uh, Doing it for free. Yeah, you're disproportionately. You're, you are um, being annoying out of proportion to what you've authentically earned. Yeah. Yeah, and that's um, why we have these cultural aversions to like shame people for playing those tricks. On the other hand, if it's a illegitimate power structure, then in fact that's actually your optimal strategy, is to do things that are cheap for you because you already are low status, but are but the po- people with status and power can't afford to play that game. Cheese, so, they say. Cheese. Like parody. Parody is a tool of the weak, right? If you're strong, you don't really need parody, and it's in fact kind of shameful for you to play that game. Because you can solve Rubik's Cube with that. Right. Um, and so in some ways it's actually the very shamefulness makes it sort of an escape valve because low status people get to play that game and uh, poke fun at the, the powerful people and it's, it's counter positioning have you heard this phrase? Uh, playing on the other side of the lane where your opponents are maybe uh, counter positioning in business is to have an asymmetric business model so for example uh, Apple sells really uh, high-end, expensive, curated experiences on phones and all their other devices. And, and so Google's... Stuff, yeah. yeah, so Google's kind of positioning is to give away uh, an open-source operating system for free that is chaotic and unmanaged and beholden to the vendors who build it. And that's a strategy Apple can't and wisely doesn't try to compete with. Um, but it gives them a kind of positioning. And in almost any business and status game, there is a counter positioning. And that's one of the things, I guess that's a really powerful skill to learn is like, okay, everyone's playing this game and it seems unthinkable or insane or evil or stupid to not play that game. But in fact, if you can sort of step outside the game and look at what it's doing and say, well, this game is getting this result. I don't like that result. I actually want to play a different game and I can do that by counter-positioning. And it is incredibly annoying and maddening. Like freezing the wave. And precisely because it looks foolish, but is in fact wise. And 
you know, one of the things I wish for you is to recognize, to be able to recognize when you're being counterpositioned against. Um, and because counterpositioning almost always triggers a visceral reaction on the part of the people playing it, and that is their undoing, is because they are trapped in the game, and that's why counterposition is so maddening, is that it violates, uh, you know, the uh, finely tuned mental model you have built to exploit the game as it is. And yes, I'm talking about you and your sister. I win everything and I'm good at everything and then she just does the opposite. Yeah. She kind of Wait, positions. what? No, not, yeah. No. <laughs> Is that you are older. You are... Cooler. In most ways, smarter. Uh, you know, partly just because you're older, partly because your brain is wired to... You're, you are really good at winning games, Ron, right? You... That is why you spend eight hours a day playing games uh, and optimizing how to win them. Like, that is your strong suit. Um, and that's a great thing. But it's also your Achilles heel. Um, uh, who killed Achilles heel? Um, um, in the version of Troy I saw, it was... Um, Winston Overwatch. Um, Legolas. Legolas? The character who played Legolas in the... Um, so he beats Achilles because he doesn't have legs. Hmm? He beats Achilles because he doesn't have legs. He's legless. No. The teen heartthrob uh, guy who played Legolas in the Lord of the Rings series played the archer on the Troy side um, who shot Achilles in the tendon. And uh, pinned him down so he couldn't run run fast and use his superior right. He would use his Achilles in the, the the movie version used his speed and mobility to beat the big brawny guys that he couldn't defeat in a pure slugging contest. And so Legolas had to uh, pin him down. Pin him down, and then he couldn't use his speed, and then he was helpless. Right, and that's the. Um, that's counterpositioning. Is if you want, and uh, that was the phrase. Points of leverage. I read uh, a, a great article about systems points. thinking. Is that a weak point, but not just a weak point that matters, right? The weakest link that makes the whole chain fall apart. And that's you know, the Achilles heel. The Achilles heel, right? Is the the idea of being a holy space ferret, right? Is that you look at the whole system, you identify the the point of leverage, where if I focus my energy there, I can get disproportionate results. Uh, because I understand the whole system. And what's funny is that, you know, where relationships break down uh, anywhere in a, in a family is usually because we are, either we don't know where the point of leverage is, or worse, we're pulling it in the wrong direction because we don't understand all the feedback loops. And so when I poke at something, thinking, oh, this is where the problem is, if I push on it a little hard, in fact, it makes everything worse, or I need to pull on it rather than push. The anti-poke. Right, the Tom Kench tongue. Oh, because he does a pull instead of a poke? Well, uh, well, no, I guess it's the Mordecai then. So, explain that metaphor. Uh, well, I was thinking the Tom Kench tongue, because, uh, Tom Kench Q, because, um, <clears throat> and Life Seals and does poke, but I guess Mordecai's Q is better because it pulls, it, Mordecai's E is better because it pulls them in. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you po you, poking is annoying someone at a distance so that they basically lose flow. Right, yeah. they're not able to compound thing. Um, 
Yeah. In fact, that's usually actually the solution to most relational problems. Pull them in. Yeah, because the the the, the instinct is Band to Timo. the instinct is to push them away, right? Because like, hey, I don't want to I don't want to keep having I don't want to be forced to keep unrolling to deeper layers because it's really painful and uncomfortable. So I'm going to just shove all the aggression and pain and uh, negativity onto you. And the alternative is to pull them closer and take the negativity into yourself in a Christ-like way. All right. All Timos are emos. All right. Great. Thank you. Goodbye.